podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackian. Guys, he was here, but he had to go get a new tattoo on his wrist, which is what most folks call a midlife crisis. Nonetheless, while we wait on Reed, I do want to welcome back to the show, friend of the fog, foreign correspondent, quarterly queen, and one more mama to be, Vera Gowdy. Vera, welcome, hey. friend. Thanks for having me. Of course. Darth Preger is what yeah. Vera's shirt Darth says. Darth Preger, yeah. Just That's so awesome. that people um, don't, that they stay away from me in real life. That's what I want, is nobody to bother me. <laughs> or touch mm, cuz not only are you pregnant but you're also a dark lord of the Sith. You exactly. Yeah. And, so and people need you will, to know. You will cut a fool. <laughs> um Vera, while we wait on Reed, who had just occurred to me is actively not present and engaging with the bit of repartee we just had. Um permit me to remind listeners that here at the Fear of God we explore we don't explain, except for right now when I explain that you can find all things foggy at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things such as, and especially, how to support us on Patreon more in that momentarily, because who is this emerging from the fog, nursing what looks like a wound on his wrist, but the one, the only, Reed Lackey! Hey, so hey, hey, Hello. Hey, I'm so Hello. excited to be here with you guys and discussing 10 Cloverfield Glass, and it's just, it's going to be fantastic it's wonderful i can see the confusion on nathan's face both know, would like you know. both would like what, i was like what? oh wait did we do this again did you guys not tell me about a movie again <laughs> no it was this weird amalgam of trying to figure out how can i somehow you know put on an affectation of sarah paulson in this film while also mm. referencing the fact that it's a clover tattoo and clover field and blah yeah. blah blah so there were multiple layers there were multiple, multiple. layers i dennis yeah, miller that joke clovers Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was just not uh yeah, they didn't they didn't land the way that I wanted them to. But there's that. So well, uh the intro. Uh Reed, Vera, we have some quick business to attend to before we get to our main discussions for today. One, if you're finding us for the first time today, <laughs> welcome. And know that you have caught us in this second round of our series celebrating the works of director M. Night Shyamalan, affectionately titled Shamalamarama. Last week, Dave Courtney joined us for a discussion of Unbreakable and Split. Today's conversation will feature a patron-only discussion of a few episodes of Apple TV Plus' series Servant. And after that, we'll feature a conversation long in the making here in the fog. Ooh, Arguably one yes. Vera is just here to play referee on. 
the culminating film and the trilogy that took 20 <laughs> years to finish yesterday we will be breaking glass two we have relaunched the Fog Merch Store with fresh and refreshed Fog Swag. Check that out at the website and get your Fog Swag today. Our last business note today is, put simply, join Patreon. Constant listener, if you enjoy the fear of God, benefits of being a patron include longer episodes featuring the aforementioned bonus content. Today's segment featuring Apple TV Plus Series Servant. It's such a mouthful every time I do it. It's also <laughs> how you can participate in online events, such as Fogoween each October and the occasional Happy Hour Horror Hangout. But when you join Patreon, it benefits the show as well, growing our capacity to do more, to sound better, to reach more listeners, to basically be the best fog we can be with your help playing a significant role. That is enough business for now. Reed, Vera, do you want to do the twist of the Shamalamarama? Let's, Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Let's twist our way into the Apple TV Plus series Servant for our patrons. And then we'll be right back to compare notes on sightings of the Tiptoe Man as we discuss Glass. Don't ever say Tiptoe Man again. Do the twist. Do the twist. Do the twist. Shamalamarama. Do the twist. Do the twist. Do the twist. Shamalamarama. Do the twist. Do the twist. Do the twist. Shamalamarama. So about this movie. All right. So uh apple movies uh notes on the film glass says m night Shyamalan's east rail 177 trilogy comes to a satisfying end as he flips the superhero genre on its head weaving together unbreakable and split he fashions his own hybrid brand of psychological thriller exciting action sequences bookend and otherwise moody meditation on outcasts and the nature of power and identity that's basically it um <laughs> There, there, there is more about that. They, they just start to editorialize. I'm like, I just need a slight summary, guys. Oh, my gosh. Overdoing um, it. Someone should have edited that down. Um, so, yeah. so I want to set up for a small bit of clarity for the listeners, possibly even for Vera as well. So, look, Nathan and I both love M. Night Shyamalan. Love him. Uh, we are big fans. <laughs> we are big fans of what he does and the kind of stories that he makes. That having been said, we both have our films, as has been evidenced through this series. We both have our films that we would largely be like, this is not a good movie. Like, this, you know, for good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't work. There may be certain things about it that work well uh, otherwise or whatever. But looming like a big cloud over this entire series that we're in right now was the knowledge and the awareness that I loved Glass, that I love Glass, and that Nathan, upon his first viewing, did not care for it. I think that's fair to say that you, you didn't really care for it from a first viewing. I'm trying not to be like, you know, that it's totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we were pretty op pretty opposite ends yeah 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 and uh and so i was david dunn you were kevin crumb you know <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> so yeah it was the th there was this notion that like okay um it, it it's gonna be interesting when we try to get to this conversation to see exactly and we needed we needed a voice of reason into the middle of all of this just to see like okay who can we who can we call upon that's in the fog community that can help like just sort of bring some balance to the force. Um, but that haven't been said, but she's Darth Prager. There's nothing covered, balancing yeah, about that. You, you know? covered yeah, that yeah, on yeah. the set already. If you, <laughs> you touch me, I will force you. 
<laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I don't know exactly the kind of conversation that we're going to have. Maybe, you know, maybe some surprises will emerge. Maybe, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun and, you know, yeah, it just, maybe we'll all be like, yeah, it was good. I liked it. And that'll be the end of the episode, but, um, I highly doubt that's how you'll be. All right. <laughs> let me, let me add my interlocking puzzle piece to this, uh, sure, because, sure. You know, listener, if you've been following along on Shamalamarama, you've heard oblique references to this sort of like therapy session we have about talking about the Shamalama mo- Shamalam. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get it. Uh, this is the movie we were talking about. This yes, was the yeah. now you feel more affection towards Knock at the Cabin than I do, uh, but I don't think yours. I, I, that one is not as like uh line in the sand as no, glass was no. um right 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 that was a sand glass sort of attempt to make a science mm-hmm. reference mm-hmm. there um yeah, i get it and so when i first saw glass i was like <laughs> <laughs> that was a big thumbs down listener and of course reed was like uh it's like Daffy Duck going, woo, 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 you know, bouncing uh, <laughs> that old image. Like that is, that was really lacking with relation to glass. And I was like, son of a bitch. We're just, God, we're never going to talk about this movie because this is so dumb. Such uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. But, oh, man. I said such opposite ends of the yes. spectrum. Oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. God. But we are, you know, we've been doing this a minute. And by this, I mean friendship and just, you know, had some, had some open, open aired conversations off pod leading into the decision to do Shamalamarama. And I was like, okay, okay. I can still not like glass and love you read this. These <laughs> things can't, the world exists where those two statements can be true. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll oh say this. Goodness. I know Vera, you're just like, it, we're like your brothers and you're like the middle kid. And you're like, Oh my God, this again, these <laughs> idiots. Um, it's true. It's exactly how I feel about my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this, maybe making for slightly less uh, provocative radio. Um, I went into glass, honestly, a little worried. I was like, man, I don't know um, this, this viewing of glass, at least because I had only seen it the one time up till now. And uh, I will say I'm a little softer to it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's a positive, just so fisticuffs won't have to fully break out here like Roddy Piper and Keith David. Um, Ooh, love that reference. I know you do. Uh, what about you? What about you and Glass? What was your experience like? Were you worried about talking to us about it? Because you just knew. I'm just kidding. That's probably not the case. <laughs> what was your experience with this movie? I honestly say that that was not a worry. Um, I, the first time I saw it, I liked it except for the ending. Mm. And I think that that's a pretty common feeling for the movie, from my understanding. Um, And the second time I saw it, which was today, uh, I felt pretty much the exact same. (laughs) So my feelings (laughs) have not changed and remain fairly neutral on the movie overall. But Mm. Unbreakable is my favorite Shyamalan movie. Um, Mm. So I appreciate some closure to that story or character, even if I don't like that closure. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Well, I get it. How do you feel? Well, just real quick. Sorry, Nathan, to jump in. How do you just a couple seconds? How do you feel about split? Oh, I really like split. Okay. Split, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure we'll bring this up multiple time, times that James McAvoy, like the way that he is able to flip between the characters and He's like a beast. 
choose the scenes <laughs> literally and figuratively. Mm, um, yeah. 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 Is just he he's brilliant in that movie and Anya Taylor Joy. I mean, we all on the fear yes. of God love her so very much. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I will just to illustrate the the dichotomy that existed between mine and Reed's takes previous to my recent watching rewatching of Glass. When Reed and the text thread that the three of us share said, "Hey Vera, what are your feelings about Glass?" He was you know just testing the waters. My immediate response was. There is a wrong answer here. <laughs> yeah. Which, which admittedly made me, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you jerk. Why'd you do that to her? I was like, here I, here I hand her the most open hearted, like, hey, share with us your feelings about this. No yeah. pressure. And you were like, Argh. all the pressure. <laughs> like, oh man. Be um, right. So, so we're going to, so, so we're going to, we're going to get into the specifics of the movie. We're going to get into that. Ain't right. We'll talk about the themes. We'll talk about all of it, but, I, but I do want to take like maybe like two minutes here. This is not necessarily about my affection for the film, but just a little bit of setup. I just want to sit for a minute and recognize what an oddity. And I, I, this is not hyperbole that it is a mild miracle that this film exists because in order for this film to get made, two of the most notoriously competitive movie studios had to agree to license and share profits. Disney and Universal had to agree for their characters to participate in a film for which they would come to a negotiated, agreed, shared profit deal. And then even if that worked out, you had to get all the players back. And I mean, like, yeah, like even with the clout Shyamalan had at one point, Jackson and Willis were probably friends enough with him from their previous experience that they they would have done it anyway. But you had to get McAvoy back. You had to get Anya Taylor Joy back. Um, and you know that that's not, that's a feat to try to get all of those things together. And he managed to do it in just like three years. It released three years following Split. So that's a relatively brief amount of time for all of those things to come together. Um, so I just wanted to, to take a breath on just like hey. Even if you hate this film, you kind of have to sit back and go like like slow clap on Shyamalan being able to pull off what he was able to pull off to even make this film a thing in the world. Um, the last well, interestingly, of... real quick to that point oh, yeah. uh, on the studio note, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I was reading, I think, to my memory is that though uh, I think it's Disney with Unbreakable owned the mm -hmm. rights to yeah. Unbreakable, Touchstone Pictures specifically, yeah, that David Dunn. Shyamalan retained rights to sequel usage of David, yes. which is just weird, you know, like the way. Yeah, some of these. Yeah, I out. found a trivial bit on it um, that was although Disney owns the rights to Unbreakable, director M Night Shyamalan retained the rights to any potential sequels, so that the studio could not make one without his involvement. Such was his desire for the creative control that he co-financed this film by mortgaging his house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and I mean, he did have I want to also give some applause. I don't know if the man is is like a good hang or if he's a good guy or whatever. But uh, Jason Blum in the world is managing to just make some just as a producer, his finger is on the pulse. He's managing to make some great things happen. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and buddying up with him, who seems to have just an incredible knack for letting creatives do what they want to do while still guiding a sandbox in a way that that is going to be smart marketing and smart business. Um, so yeah, there's just there's just a lot of great goodwill around this. But the last bit of setup before we get into it, 
And I know co-hosts, you're very, you're both very, very well aware of this. But I just think for listener context, I think it's important to point out again that like Unbreakable, when Unbreakable came out, the we had the Batman movies and we had the Superman movies, mm-hmm. and you know all the superhero films from the seventies. But there was no Iron Man, there was no MCU, there was no DCEU. X Men had been released, and that was really the only major modern, you know, like comic booky superhero movie when Unbreakable breaks out on the scene, which is why so much of its language around comic books and everything feels like revelatory. It feels like it was a bit different and kind of on the cutting edge. Wesley Snipes would like a word with you, sir. <laughs> well, I know Blade existed, but I think I'm it's kidding, fair to say that Blade did. Yes, I know. Blade may have convinced the studios that comic books were profitable. It did not convince sure. audiences that comic books were profitable. Um, so, but then like after that, you get into, you know, when when Split came out, I think it's also important to remember, as we've been talking about in Shyamalamarama, that like M. Night had been written off by most of the audience. He had been written off as something of a joke. The Visit brought, I think, initially his diehard fans back into like, hey, everybody look at this. This is good. And then a few other people were like coming in around on him. But Split, when Split came in, Split being as good as it was and being as critically acclaimed as it was and as well-constructed as a film as it was, and then to have the stinger that it's connected to the Unbreakable universe, which harkened back to like glory days of Shyamalan, there was just so much expectation coming in to Glass. And the last thing I want to say in terms of setup before I, you know, step down from the podium and just give us all a chance to converse about it is I do think... And I'm not saying that any of our individual feelings or people who were critical of this film or whatever, I think it's just important to remember that when Glass came around, unlike Unbreakable, Glass is in literally in the shadow of Avengers Infinity War and all the culmination of the MCU. And it was, you know, on the precipice of Endgame. So what Glass, I believe, is trying to do and say falls in such contrast of like, sharing and mixing up universes like we're used to that from the mcu and people showing up in each other's films and stuff like that but in contexts that are a lot more epic in scope and grandeur and glass is much more interested in philosophy and is much more interested in a sort of an insular more uh microcosmic kind of thing Uh, i'm not saying that's why people don't like it but i do think that context is kind of important for where you know for wherever our conversation is going to go um, anything, also, yeah. Sarah Polson agreed to do the movie without reading the script just because of the respect she had for Shyamalan and just wanted to be involved with one of his projects. So even though he lost a lot of goodwill in terms of audience, I am true. glad that he maintained it in terms of his as a director. Yeah, that's a very, very good point that people who had worked with him clearly had a good experience and shared that positive experience with their peers such that, yeah, yeah, that personalities like Paulson, who is in a position to kind of pick her projects decided like, yeah, I want to do this, whatever, whatever you have for me, I, you know, I'll, I'll do it here. Um, Can I jump in? Yeah, Um, Yeah, please. You know, cause you touched on several things I read that um, here, here's the upside is two viewings in on glass i'm much softer after the second than i was by any means after the first uh and would say i've come a far pace still would not you know say uh you know top tier for me of his work 
even if some of its component pieces are are probably high, very strong. Um, yeah. yeah, I think as I've sort of anticipated this conversation, and especially this week watching all three of these films, I think I do want to at least give some, uh, you know, empathy towards you know people who 24 hours ago were like me that are kind of a bit anti-glass from the standpoint that whatever we want to say about uh well i'll frame it this way something that i think is pretty damn impressive about both unbreakable and split is they are constructing things they aren't deconstructing hero and villain they're right. building they and and yeah. and that's kind of what's so impressive about both of those movies is he's doing it right in front of you and you don't totally realize it. Mm-hmm. like yeah. that is a core strength of those films individually uh that at the end of unbreakable by the end of unbreakable you're like oh snap i've been mm-hmm. watching the origin story of david dunn the superhero like this is pretty cool <laughs> to the point that when split happened i felt the same damn way i was like am i dumb Maybe, but <laughs> you know, it's like you get about the, the three fourths mark of split. You're like, huh? Oh, this is a super villain origin story. That's cool. Yeah, so yeah. why I bring that up and why I'm still empathetic to someone who would say I'm not really a glasshead mm-hmm. is it doesn't hear me sensitively say this. It doesn't honor that trajectory. It doesn't say <laughs> this constructing path is now going to combust. It does things with those pieces, but I'd say, I, I, I guess, you know, and to your point, Reed, this comes in the thick of infinity war in game type of hysteria and hype. I'm not trying to say it should have been those things. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying he established an expectation that glass intentionally doesn't quite want to honor. And that's Okay. Mm. ultimately um because because glass is read i said this to you unrelated to glass you know eight six weeks ago whatever when we were um it may have been in in uh, knock at the cabin i said i like shanlan better when he's not trying to tell me something mm. when he's not uh putting theme forefront and letting the character and world define theme. And so to me, and, and, you know, this is, we can start unpacking pieces of glass here, but like, I don't, I, I'm much more sympathetic the second time to the rhythm of glass, but mm-hmm. it's an unexpected rhythm, especially considering what I just said about the constructive nature of the previous two films. It is a very unexpected rhythm. It is effectively reintroduction to David Dunn, showdown slash confrontation with the beast within 20 minutes mm-hmm. which is great which is great mm-hmm. and then we're just going to dial it back for 45 minutes 40 minutes oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like that for about 45 yep mm-hmm. and the then glass doesn't even talk for like an hour and a half into the movie yeah <laughs> His, yeah yeah elijah's first dialogue comes an hour into the movie yeah, yeah. that's and his then, first spoken word yeah and then we're going to pivot hard into decent, you know, kind of action set piece, which is good. Um, and arguably in some places, great, but then we're also going to kill all our characters, which again uh, uh, is a choice and mm-hmm. clearly is meant to serve what he's kind of after not knocking that simply saying that I can be empathetic to those who would be like, well, crap, man, this is not at all what I sort of wanted or, or thought I might get. 
So I'm empathetic to that. And, and I guess I just, you know, we can, we can, like I just said, lean in on component pieces here. Like I, uh, my, an, an opening critique of me from me is, is not, you can't do the quiet middle. I think you can. I think one, it, it runs on a bit long. And two, this is, this is a hot take for a three-year-old movie. <laughs> and I'm sensitive here because every actor is just a working person out in the world trying to make a living and do what they do well. I would almost say Sarah Paulson is miscast for me in this movie. Like, I don't, I just, I don't buy her performance of this character. I think there's a world where this character, this sort of pseudo kind of figurehead of this clandestine sort of organization that's clearly kind of stamping out, you know, you know, supers, as it were, I'm being reductive here, uh, you know, kind of where they find them, like that as a character concept and sketch, I don't totally mind. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, it feels like a very unhuman performance. Yes. You with your hand up. Yes. Hello. Thank you. Um, I definitely hear that what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of it. I think that my problems with the movie boil down to two main things. Number one is, and I think I said this on the Facebook group for maybe it was the beach. Um, the beach, the beach, the one on the beach. <laughs> oh, old, old, old. old. I was like, no, I don't remember covering no. the beach. <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember a beach. whole lot. Yeah, (laughs) I don't remember anything. Um, Yeah, for old, I think I said that I would love. I think the biggest Shyamalan twist would it be if he didn't try and provide a twist, if he just let Mm. a narrative play through. And I think that this is a movie that could have benefited from that because I think that there is a little bit too much attempt at subversion of expectation of superhero movies, especially because we're so far into all of the cinematic universes of superheroes. There's like, I don't know, four or five different parts in the ending where they try and subvert expectation. And I just feel like it's too much. Mm. I feel like the movie might have benefit. Like, I think that Unbreakable came out at a perfect time. I think Split came out at a perfect time. I think that Glass would have benefited from coming out like 10 years earlier than it did. Mm. Wholeheartedly agree with that. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, what Glass is trying to do, it would have been, I think, significantly better received prior to a world that had the MCU. And I'm not yeah. blaming the MCU for being no. what it is, but the MCU established a proven, bankable, entertaining storytelling pattern that works, and it works really, really well. But that is not what Glass is trying to do. Now, here's what I will. Wait, can I do number two? Uh, number yeah, two yeah, thing? yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Not yeah, yeah. On yeah. air, God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> wow. That'll wait. That'll wait till after the podcast, but I'll say <laughs> this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Um, Sometimes the a, jokes just, you know, mm-hmm. make themselves. Go ahead, Barry, Sorry. True, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> that the, I feel like the conceit of, like you said, in terms of Sarah Paulson, and being the psychologist trying to convince these superheroes that they're just delusional. I just don't like that as a conceit. I It reminds me of the episode of Community where, is it John Hodgkins <laughs> tries to convince them that they were never in community college and that they're actually just crazy? Like, 
Oh my it, gosh. It, wow. I don't know. I know, you know, <laughs> dial that one up. <laughs> then, they all, they all leave like the, the room and they're like, what? Yeah, we were, we've just been in an asylum this whole time. And Annie's like, no, I've literally got a Greendale community college backpack. Like, what is he talking about? And that's what it feels like with this. Like, it's so obviously not what she's trying to convince them of. And so it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work, period. And Let, said, so here's the good news, Reed. Here's <laughs> the good news is we know your deep abiding love for this. And 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 I'm, you're going to have the opportunity to run off about that. I do think some of these notes are valuable. You're not saying they're not. I'm just saying no, no, I, I, may no, be no, no, I may be jumping in here, but I think there's value here because I watched it this time. Again, I got to the end of it and I texted you. Like, oh yeah, uh, mm -hmm. we, we could screenshot this. I was like, so uh, I don't like X and I don't like Y, but overall I'm actually much more open to this than I was before rewatching it. And so yeah. I, I really have um, come a long way there, I, but some of its problems feel like um it's it's almost like the 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 worst versions of what Shammy isn't great at sometimes. Like it's like, oh wow, because we steered so hard into a particular thing, it I'm not sure it irons out. And to your point, Vera, I even wrote down, I said disorder this, disorder that. I don't understand this setup is so like forced. It is a very forced setup to make this narrative thing work, which which kind of feeds this notion of okay you can subvert i feel like you know and this is what's so fascinating about art about pop art about culture and uh how we consume things because to both of your point just a minute ago had this come out a decade previous like you're much more open to it yeah. but to your point reed you, you cite mcu and like they gave the David Dunn origin story. They gave the Kevin Crumb, the beast origin story. This is what the MCU template is, which I'm not saying you automatically should follow it, but an audience is primed for, for the next step, which yeah. is big. David Dunn is seeking out the beast, this cat and mouse sort of scenario that you're sort of going into glass thinking that, and then, you know, the, the, the Lex Luthor that is Elijah Price is going to uh, be in, enmeshed in that narrative. So all of that is sort of the track we're thinking. And then what we get instead yeah. is, huh, this is a yeah. weird delivery, a weird performance by Sarah Paulson with characters and a structure that's very, okay. Well, and if I yeah, can, go ahead, please. so, so, cause what I want to do, first of all, hear this with a full heart, yep. I validate every bit of that expectation. I absolutely think everything that you've just, you both just laid out about uh, the, the problems with expectations that Unbreakable and Split were building up to is, I think that's completely on point. In fact, I would, if this were all this episode were about, I would spend a lot of time probably like uh, just in agreement of like, hey, you had this, you had this, you had this, you had this. What I have come to feel now, I felt this a little bit in my first viewing of it. Um, it has become entrenched with further viewings of it. But even in the theater, I felt this way. Do you remember how, um, I'm going to make a, a perhaps odd comparison, but do you remember how Halloween ends when Halloween Ends came out and most people were angry at Halloween Ends because you're like, you didn't, you didn't even give us Michael Myers. Like you gave us this other dude, spoiler for Halloween Ends, but like <laughs> you, 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 you gave us sure, this other sure. thing for 45 minutes of your movie. Like I'm not trying yeah. to, I, I'm, I'm trying to say here, it's like 
That's a very similar kind of critique that people hurl at glass, where it's like, you primed us for X and gave us Y for 45 minutes. So what I'm saying, and I'll just say it in, in Mike Flanagan language, speaking for myself, is very similar to Halloween Ends. When I absorbed glass, I was kind of in the mood for different. I love the MCU. Oh my God, put it in my veins. I love it, love it, love it. But when I digested glass, I was like, I was in the mood for different. M. Night Shyamalan is a chef of different. And I was ready to, <laughs> yes, uh, I'll have two, please, for what he was serving up to me on glass. And I can appreciate and recognize the profound validity of all of those criticisms surrounding, hey, you kind of primed us to receive this, and then you delivered this. I think that's a completely valid criticism. And I think what the effort would be for myself, or what I would encourage, is take a step back. Now, I'm not saying this specifically to, to both of you, to, but to maybe any listener, is be like, okay, that is completely valid. Now take a step back, look at the pieces of construction that it was building to, and on that whole, see, does it work on that on that whole? And for me, unbreakable and then split and then glass works remarkably well when you remove the expectation of the patterns of MCU and DCEU and so many other superhero movies. Because in Unbreakable, and this will be my last statement on this puzzle piece before we can move on to something else, Unbreakable is largely a component of belief versus disbelief. David Dunn is going through a journey of, does he believe he has this or not? And his son believes in him to a fault. And his wife really does not want this to be an element of his life. That's why they keep it secret from her. In Split, you have Dr. Fletcher and you have Casey and you have these components where Dr. Fletcher believes in the extraordinariness of Kevin, but not in the same way that Kevin believes. Kevin believes he is, you know, this ultra alter human thing. And she, she sees it from a slightly different framework, but it's still about belief. That final scene that in Split that Dennis has with uh, Dr. Fletcher about is all about belief and about what do you believe. And she says that the, the personalities of Patricia and Dennis were banned from the light because of their beliefs. Again, it's having a conversation about belief. All of that to say, when Glass steered hard into that scene in the pink room where mm -hmm. Sarah Paulson is trying to scientifically dismantle what they believe about themselves. Me, Reed, just sitting in the theater was like, oh my God, <laughs> like for, just for me. I'm not saying yeah. anybody else has to feel this way, but for me, I was like, yes, like this is a, this film is having a conversation about what do you believe about yourself, about your place in this world. And I was just, give me more, give me more. And well, uh, so, I, I yeah. think, I think you make a, like, in the same way you you've said a couple times, I, I agree with both of you. I, I'm actually I agree with your conceit that um an openness to a different resolution, you know, an, an openness to a subversion. Mm -hmm. I think for me, and 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 here's the here's the cool news is I'd be game to rewatch this movie again at some point in the future to continue to probe out and test it at uh, some of these thoughts for myself. Sure. Um for me, it isn't the subversion I really have a problem with once you get over that initial hurdle of expectation. And what I meant a few minutes ago by some of what Glass 
literally verbalizes is what I would say is some of the finest versions of Shammy's worst tendencies, meaning mm. I'm totally with you. Like my critique of the rhythm isn't, you can't do that rhythm. It is the way you've done this and the way we've totally, I'm being reductive here, kind of gone to sleep in the middle of this movie. <laughs> um, me literally the first time I watched it. Um, but it's that coupled with a, a very curious performance from Paulson, uh, tripled with, I will be very honest here. Uh, Jackson reminded me of this a while back, and I, I still don't totally agree with his uh, strong assertion of this. He will text me about my statement as soon as this episode airs. Um, <laughs> he's like, every chamois is oh, wooden dialogue. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Every chamois is wooden dialogue. You know, like this is just part and parcel of his oeuvre. And so I I don't think that quite bears out that strongly across it. But in this film, I was like, oh my God, if someone says with such self-seriousness, the phrase comic book and comic book this and comic book that one more time, I'm like we are starting to sound yeah. a little dumb to each other here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it. what was novel in Unbreakable, hey, to your point, to, to all of our point, a decade previous glass may be different, but what was what felt novel and unbreakable, oh my gosh, they're talking about, there's comic book uh, data points on the front of the movie. Uh, in this one, I'm like, do we sound <laughs> like people anymore? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, I get it. Yeah, I'm, get I'm it. game to like jump into the good stuff because I do have good stuff and, and, and this is just fun kind of, I enjoy this because yeah. hopefully you feel this way, Reed. I, 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 hopefully you sense a turnaround in Nathan on glass. And at this point, I'm just I kind do. of talking through the the things that it makes me. Think I got of. you. I got you in the basement. I'm in the wheelchair. You start to believe you're you're transforming right in front of my eyes. I love that was it. that was an odd. <laughs> the things that they you didn't have about. to work that hard to get me in the basement, Reed. <laughs> if you know what mm. I mean. <laughs> Let's let Vera talk. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the things that they say about comic books though i like and again this is something that comes up a lot with the things that Shyamalan explores is like the, clearly he has a love for comic books and comic book storytelling as a medium um as do i and i think both of you as well i know nathan Dexter. Mm -hmm. um and i think that they are often overlooked in terms of good storytelling because because people think that comic books are just silly and whatever. Um, the things that they say about comic books are things that I absolutely agree with. Like, there's a line, I think it's Polson's character that says that comic books are a continuation of what someone somewhere saw or felt. I can't remember mm. which character says it. Mm -hmm. But I totally agree with a statement like that. It doesn't need to be said outright to right. Nathan's point. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of over-explaining. And in terms of belief and faith, which is an underlying theme in so much of his work, um, yeah. in Servant, obviously. Um, and again, I just, I feel like the subtlety of what he's trying to explore is lost when characters just overtly state things. Then it's not metatextual anymore. It's textual. And no, I like, agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that thought I, that a that lot I, I thought that a lot with this one. I was like, Yes. It's all right there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't disagree with it. And I think that yeah. I like all the performances are good. And like the like, uh, aside from the fact that I don't like that she's trying to convince them that they're fake, 
but having them struggle with belief in their self. Mm -hmm. I love that part of it. I love the puzzle pieces. I don't know if I love how they fit together. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, it does. Um, Um, So I talked, no, no, no. I talked a lot. What I'd like to do is go third on, can we share just maybe some didactic, it doesn't have to be a formal, that's so right, but can we share some just didactic things we enjoyed about the film? And I'm happy to go third. I talked a lot already. Vera, go quick before he changes his mind. No, why? Ah, um, (laughs) (laughs) I love the cinematography. Shyamalan is Mm. always great for this. I feel like I've been watching a lot of more stuff with modern directors and modern sensibilities. And I cannot stand the camera work in a lot of it. Mm. And I feel like it's an art form that is getting lost. And it's something that every time I watch one of his movies, even if I'm not too keen on the movie, I just appreciate or TV show. I just appreciate so much his craft. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I thought this time watching unbreakable, one of the things I really found myself transfixed by sort of tonally with this viewing of unbreakable was it feels it's been a minute since it felt to me like this experience I had watching it, which is this feels like a very unself-conscious presentation. Like mm. it, it is so delicate and so tender and so thoughtful and so contemplative and it's almost like there's a world where he'd probably say and i'm I'm not dismissing that but as in like oh no i set out to have that kind of tone and that's fair but it almost feels incidentally so like you're just with unbreakable you're just we are becoming just sort of flies on the wall of these characters journeys and i I really love that about it kind of to your point about the cinematography aspect um I think for me, and and this is the last thing I'll say about this mildly negative note. I kept thinking about this. I wish I had just more characterization out of the Sarah Paulson's character, like out of the doctor. Like I just, it's funny, Reed, for some reason, um, Olivia Coleman uh, makes an appearance in a, a show that I almost just accidentally spoiled a little bit, but recently <laughs> that's, that's a, an incredible moment. She, she really doesn't have a ton of screen time, but she delivers with just friggin' like, a, a samurai and 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 i kind of wish for something i'm like i don't feel like this is a real person i i want some sassiness i want a little more just life in it um so but anyway i'll, I'll move on from that but i it, it occurred to me as far as praises y'all good lord oh if this were not an audio medium <laughs> and i was gonna blow out my mic i would i would clap james mcavoy is a freaking just superhuman on yeah. incredible i mean yeah. I was I was looking for cuts. So I was like, surely he's not this good. But I think he's that good. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's that good. He's that and good. Yeah. I remember what I, I read uh, some of the behind the scenes last night after I finished it. And even Samuel L. Jackson talking about it. He was like, I've done this a long time. And I'm pretty good. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen somebody do that before. I mean, it was, it <laughs> yeah. was it's so impressive. unreal. And yeah. And what's so impressive isn't just the effort. It is one that it looks effortless and two, it's so precise, the body language, the, the, uh, verbal delivery, like he, he has thought about every single version of alter that he's delivering on and does it and can sort of turn it off and on like that. It's, it is unbelievable watching him across both of these films. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
I'll I'll praise a couple of things. First of all, I I want to mention one kind of silly thing about what you say about um, Vera about um, directors who just sort of a little bit more pedantic. I heard Kurt Russell refer to those kind of directors as traffic cops before. Like they can get in, they can get the job done, but they can keep things in focus. They can make people hit their mark, but there's not a flair to it. Yeah. That and I and I will say this, and and kind of piggybacking on your cinematography note, there are so many of these frames that. We've we've praised fairly consistently. Sometimes I think Shyamalan is a better visual storyteller than he is an actual narrative storyteller. Like some of the shots that he sets up. And as much as I love this film, and it's not clear to the audience yet, I love this film. Um, I still think there are frames where without context for the scene, they are perhaps more compelling than what is actually happening in the scene. Just the frame, just the image. Yeah. I yeah. love the shot. For even people who might get a little sleepy during that pink room scene, that shot of the three of them and the color contrast and how they are, it's wonderful. It's wonderfully constructed, exceptionally well put together. And that is something that, yeah, I I was really appreciative to hear you applaud the just the visual styling that he has pretty consistently uh, uh, through this film. And of course, praising McAvoy, I'll also throw someone here. I will say this is not the fault of, well, it's not anybody's fault. I will say David Dunn's arc in this film slaps a little differently knowing Bruce Willis's health troubles. Like it just landed differently. Just what David Dunn is going through in the twilight of this character's life and what he used to be and what he knows he still could be and all this in light of what Bruce Willis, the person has gone through in last few years. They just, again, it, I'm not saying that as a criticism or a praise. I'm just acknowledging hanging a lantern on it. It slapped a little differently. Just knowing what I know about what Bruce Willis as a, as an individual is, is struggling with and made it poignant in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like the scene uh, seriously was not expecting a tiny twinge of emotion, but I got it while I was watching the movie when he puts on, when he puts on the necklace and kisses Audrey's ring and and then you know pulls up the suit and you get the feeling of like even david dunn in that moment thinks like one last time and like puts on the suit and everything like that got me it, like it really it's one of my one favorite moments in the movie <laughs> but it it just it just connected with me i think part of it is the bruce willis of it all i'm piggybacking that to your praise of mcavoy's performance i'm also tremendously energized i will say this it's it's a flex and a very, very big one to call your movie glass and not have Elijah speak for a full hour into the movie. But I will say this for folks like me who are on who, who whatever wavelength I'm on for this movie, when Elijah kicks into gear, like it is electric. I think when he starts doing his whole mastermind puzzle piece, I got super energized every viewing of it. I was really like, oh my God, here we go. Well, and like, then he rolls out with his with the initials and his big pimping outfit. I'm like, okay, bro, yeah, <laughs> we are, we are doing it. We are <laughs> living large, he Elijah is Price. Committed. I don't but know I just, if you know. designed his supervillain suit, maybe at number <laughs> one. <but it's> <laughs> Why so do you perfect. need to know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's where is my super suit? So, <laughs> so, but, but I just love so much, especially like when he breaks into Kevin's room and starts talking to Kevin and everything. I'm just, and starts rattling off in that. Very oh, I clipped. love that exchange between him and Patricia. It's so good. Oh, 
wonderful where she says patricia but i appreciate the manners it's great it's a wonderful bit of scripting oh it's a wonderful bit of scripting so i love it and i love the way because he's a brilliant mastermind i love the way elijah engages with the different personalities like when he's talking to hedwig and elijah is smart enough to say you see the world how it really is forever you know like like he's nine yeah yes talking to somebody with like a disorder yeah, it's uh, it's it's really incredible. So, so I just I love the performances. Just uh, I agree with you though. For that note, I I don't think I feel as strongly about it as you do, but I don't disagree with the Paulson note. I do think there's a little bit of plasticity to the character that I don't appreciate. I don't know if that's an actor or a director choice or both. I think there is uh, just sort of the character flatlines in a way that I don't think it was intended to. And, um, and so I agree with all that, even if I feel a little bit more muted on that. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, the last thing that I will mention as just an overwhelming love. And then maybe we can do it. That ain't right. And we can see where the conversation goes from there. So Vera, when you say the ending, mm-hmm. I think I, 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 I would maybe appreciate some clarity on what you're referring to, but I'll front load with, I feel like the introduction of the clover conspiracy people even to me who loves this film i think it feels forced i think it feels literally shoved in i think it is a a kind of attack on thing that even as much as i love the film i struggle with with a huge asterisk that i get very emotional in at the train scene at the end very like the three of them in the train scene with the revealing the footage to the world and everything that scene makes me extremely emotional. Um, so, so that's like, when we say ending, I kind of like, if we're referring to conspiracy theory, twist tack on, I'm probably going to very much agree with you. If we're talking about like that final beat that it's on, I don't know. I, I loved, I love that. So emotional. It's one of my favorite parts, but yeah, I go ahead. don't, I like the, the, tr- like, I like the reveal that supers exist to the world. I, mm. that's fine. Um, I, I mean, I think that it is a good narrative choice, even though I don't, ah, uh, how do words go together? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't love that they all die, but I think narratively, it makes sense. And mm-hmm. I think that that's maybe the one subversion that I'm okay with is that, you know, like the hero lives, the villains die or the villains go to jail, but like that they're all, they spoiler, they alert, all go, they mm-hmm. all go and they all go in like in an undignified way. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that as much as I don't like that for their characters, I think that narratively it's a good choice. I don't like the Cloverfield Club. I think that it is so dumb. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's really funny about both of y'all bringing up um, the the Cloverfield crew is I remember because I I did remember that like okay there's some group that is carrying this stuff out and and I'm knowing the second viewing we're reaching the end I'm like so there is some exposition in this. How do we connect these? Oh, it's the flash. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. right. They, like I, she I even like the part. I think that the best part of Sarah Polson's character is when she holds his hand. Yeah. And I agree not the flashback, but when she says like, did I almost convince you? Yeah. Right? Like, that yeah. 
the best part for her character. That's where the strongest acting for her comes in. But even though I don't like anything to do with what her character did or why her character's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, let's look, the, we're in it. I don't know how long this conversation will be, but we, you know, we won't belabor the whole point for everybody's time. But I will say that like the first viewing, I got very angry specifically at David's death. And I didn't mind, and I, I interrogated this a little bit in myself because I didn't mind that Elijah went out like a little bit like a chump and that I thought it was kind of poetic that the beast takes him out. Um, and then that they shot Kevin is has a pathos to it, but I also didn't mind. I was very upset by David's death. And the reason I was upset by it is because of how unheroic it is. Mm -hmm. And how unceremonious it is. They exploited his weakness to kill him. And we talk about that like a subversion. In the but... world's biggest, deepest pothole. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is an <laughs> odd choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was so, I mean, yes, very, very, very deep pothole there. That, um, But I, I don't know. I've come around on it. I've come around on it to where it is more meaningful to me for what it manages to do for his son um, and mm -hmm. for the prospect of, and, and honestly, until I saw it, I didn't realize in myself how inclined I was always to, uh, I'll say it this way. You worry sometimes for a character like Captain America or Iron Man end Endgame because you know the actors are probably not going to be continuing the franchise so you worry for the character that way but you never worry about ant-man in quantumania you never right. worry about the other like you don't worry about them yeah and it's got plot armor exactly and i have come to appreciate i don't know that i'd say love but i have come to really appreciate the boldness of a choice to be like he has a weakness and if that weakness is exploited unbridled he can die and and I and the committing to the truth of that reality in this world has come to mean more to me, even though even in the theater, I was sitting there like, you got you kidding me. You cannot kill that character. Like, especially you can't kill him that way. Like maybe he can go down, you know, because he's gonna hold Kevin Wendell Crumb down and drown him with himself or something. Like maybe you can do something like that. But he dies a completely unceremonious, unheroic death. And like I said, I've come around on appreciating the boldness but that's, of isn't that kind of where though like to your very valid point read the just like hey at the hour 50 minute mark of this movie let's just literally tear open the celluloid if that's what they shot it on and just place this giant plot device which is the club the hellfire mm -hmm. club as i would refer to them in the center <laughs> of it as the architects of this whole thing like because i i guess that is what i do struggle with because like, Reed, you made a great point a few minutes ago of like, I think Shyamalan, you said this, or a version of this, I think Shyamalan might be a, a better visual storyteller than maybe narrative one. And mm -hmm. and it's things like this that, that I think sort of substantiate a little bit of what you're after there, which is like, can you kill your characters? Yes. Yeah. Do I feel like, do, do I feel the loss of it? I do. Do I feel like it was totally earned the way it happened? I don't No, And and that's to me, a tripping hazard for that particular thing, which is to say, okay, if you're going to do this clandestine sort of organization, like 
I'm not saying tell me, give me mass exposition dump on the front of the movie, but like plant a few more seeds. So I kind of know it's there. And like, I can at least sort of brace myself a little bit when that time comes. And, and instead of thinking, uh, you can't do that. I'm thinking, come on, please. You're not going to do that. Right. Like, right. That's a very yeah. different feeling than wait, who are these chumps? And really, that's what we're doing yeah. now. You know, like, and that yeah. feeling yeah. is real. And, and I that's think that not comes back to again, like it doesn't have to be a twist at the end of the movie. You can right, have right. it put throughout the movie, even if it's not explicitly stated, but give us little hints of it. It doesn't exist. Well, because to your to your point, event. Vera, you know, I don't really share this, but people love to critique uh, Return of the King for its multiple endings. They're fine with me, whatever. Keep it coming. But there no it's like that movie is perfect. It's like <laughs> it's like you can have too many twists, you know, like mm. Because effectively, the truest narrative twist to Glass is that Elijah knew what he was doing the whole time. Yeah. That's yeah. the twist. That yeah, is yeah, your yeah. twist. You don't yeah. need to now layer onto it a pretty forced plot device. Exactly. Too many. Too many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because a hat on a hat. It, yeah. it is. It's a, <laughs> it is a purple pimpin' hat on a purple pimpin' hat. <laughs> Uh, with, M- with, with with mg embroidered on it man um, oh man oh man but I, again to everybody's point earlier is that the acting of bruce willis in that scene where he's like the pained look of like betrayal on his face before yeah. they turn his face back into the water is so well done it's so heartbreaking yeah, yeah. well i want to celebrate too the the use of the unbreakable footage in this it is Mm-hmm. chef's kiss it is expert um not only that there's a scene in it that just didn't make unbreakable and so hey what do you know you got to use it 20 years later that's incredible but yeah. even just the recontextualizing of the train sequence with yeah you know yeah. syncing yeah. it up to the original like that was great like this is this yeah. is really excellent stuff like one thing and like one thing that you mentioned and i i am going to sincerely friend to friend apologize if i'm uh using something that you wouldn't have framed in here but in one of our off pod conversations you said one of your concerns after your initial viewing of glass was that you were worried it didn't honor the legacy of unbreakable you just cited that footage do you feel differently about that now or is that still largely um well no that's a that's a fair question um i mean here's what's challenging for any creator when they've got uh, I use this phrase slightly uncynically in this moment, IP is I can, as a conscientious observer, absorber, digester of culture and art say, I can appreciate the subversion you're after here. I can do that. And at the same time say, but damn it, I, I kind of wanted uh, some more stories with these people. I, the reason yeah. it's disheartening that they all die in the end isn't because I can't see the themes you're chasing. It's right. because I'm like, well, I, I like them. And it's not just, I yeah. like them. It's, I kind of was hoping for more of them, you know, like yeah. I don't need a 10, fr- a 10 film franchise, but like, wow, you've done it. You, you've brought them all together and uh, we're all locked up yeah. for half a movie. I tell you, no, and, I, I completely agree with that. I'm sorry if I, I'm sorry if I but cut to, you off. Well, real quick to answer yeah, your question, I don't like rewatching this time. Unbreakable. My my love for it grew. 
uh, mm -hmm. my affection for how tender and lovely it is grew. Mm -hmm. I don't like that it feels like the arc of David Dunn was just to end in squalor and tragedy and a in a conveniently placed deep pothole. I can live with it because I know it isn't plot and narrative he's after its theme and idea. And so mm -hmm. do I love that about it? Not really, but I can I can own it and reconcile myself to it. So to your question of does it honor unbreakable? I don't know. I, I don't know that it really needs to, I, I, you know, because he's trying to do something sure. different with glass. Well, but I also so I'm going to say what I rudely interrupted you to say, and then I'm I'm going to challenge one thing you just said for for just a second. OK, um, all right, here we go. Um, no, but the, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. No, but um, Stephen King has the same problem is the is the comment that I was going to interject with you. Stephen King sometimes introduces a phenomenal character and then he kills them by the end of that novel or by the end of its, you know, later appearing. And I'm and, and I feel the same way that you just described. I'm like, I wanted more of this person. This person is profoundly interesting. And now you've taken them off the board. So you're going to have to give me a prequel if I want to revisit this character. Anyway, that was all I was going to say is that like, yeah, I, I, I this conversation is making me think about revisiting a video game. I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to spoil. But similar thing. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> tell us how much I hated what happened in that game. That's funny. Maybe yeah. I won't now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. But the, the thing that I will challenge is you said it and you, and, and you kind of said it quickly. So I'm not going to challenge with a, a tremendous amount of vigor, but you said the story of David Dunn ends in a pothole in kind of a tragic squalor kind of way. And the, the, the gently, and I say this in earnest, lovingly way I will challenge that is that's why I love the train scene is because that is not where David yes. Dunn's story and, ends. And it ends. When you re brought that up. Yep. Yeah, it it ends in, you know, the fact that it will and and it's why one of the things that I love about that train scene is the scene where Spencer Treat Clark turns over his shoulder and sees a woman on an iPad watching his dad bend a bar yeah. and yeah. do a superhuman yeah, yeah. thing and him just looking over his shoulder seeing his dad right there. I'm like, I say this, you know, in earnest, his dad's going to live forever right there. Now he's not going to have him in relationship, sure, and I'm not sure. dismissing that. But I'm like, that's the legacy of David Dunn right there is that it's been opened up to the universe, you know, and that's and that is sincerely, totally fair. I don't receive that as challenge as much as just, you know, alternate perspective of, you know, I, I think just from an emotional standpoint, I am with you uh, or rather from an emotional standpoint, because I love uh, David Dunn as played by Bruce Willis, who lives yeah. and breathes and grows and learns and loves and unbreakable. I hate to see how he physically expires. That that's kind yeah. of what I'm describing. I'm totally no, with yeah, you on yeah. the sort of thematic shot through of like, oh, but you know, the legacy and right. the, the sort of lore will grow and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I can respect that. Um, Are we really not going to do that? I'm okay. Are we really not going to do that? At rights? I mean, we're, we're well. We're, I was going <laughs> to ask if I was going to ask at this okay, moment. Listen, guys, time, but... lest we forget, <laughs> we Dunn. are a horror show. So <laughs> if it's gory, if it's gross. If it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show that we call That Ain't Right. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. Okay. We'll go quick. <laughs> we'll do it quick. Uh, Vera, we'll you're quick. on first. You're the guest. Right. 
I'm going to go with um, when the orderly, not Daryl, the other yeah. orderly, Luke goes yeah. to drop the mag light on oh. um, Mr. Glass. F that guy. Yeah. Hate that guy. Yeah. That ain't right. Squeeze okay. him again, beast. Kill him oh. twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can he die twice? That. That'd be great. Wow. <laughs> hate, hate that dude. Uh, ahead, well, it's funny about you saying that. I love Luke Kirby. I love that actor. You know, this is, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is his second uh, fog appearance. Uh, last on uh, Halloween. Um, uh, what is the name of the one with Busta? Give me Busta. <laughs> Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. He's in that. Yeah. You know he's, what would uh, make this film better? Busta Rhymes. <laughs> More Busta Rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy Halloween, mofo. Um, <laughs> but I do like that actor. I did write suplexing Luke Kirby. Sad day. Um, <laughs> I think I will nominate for that ain't right the beast eating the cop outside and yeah. it's, and it's uh, really the close up shot of I guess it's McAvoy because he's a god uh, his it's like half of the frame is sky and cloudy overcast sky yeah. and the other half is his freaking rippling bulging that shoulder muscle is <laughs> uh I don't, I don't speak muscle. Um, as you just hear crunching and mouth noises, it's repulsive. Yeah, the, it's so the subtitles just say chewing. Yeah. That's it. Yep. That's, it. Yep. that's, that's, it. that's that flavor. Yeah. That's oh, it. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Word choice matters. Oh. What about you? Um, mine is going to be the scene, uh, the flashback scene of young Elijah at the carnival. Oh. Yep. That Aww. is so horrendous. Um, when you know, you just you see it happening, you want to stop it. This kid's joy just turned to so much pain. Um, which is, you know, lo- broadly a metaphor that could be applied to so many things. It's just like joy turned to pain. Um, but yeah, that whole sequence is just really, really rough to watch. Um, and I'm uh, sure I'd yeah. rather the actress who plays Elijah's mother is actually five years younger than Samuel Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. Oh. Um, but that's, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not, not a ton of that ain't right in here, but. Uh, but did you squirm? Did you wince? <laughs> did you squint your eyes real tight? It was probably because of what we were out here, call. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. Um. I will just say this, uh, and then I know we've been talking a long time. I've loved the conversation so far. I don't want to belabor it um, longer than it needs to. I, I do want to just highlight one sort of broad aspect. We can spend some time on it if we want, or if we want to just hit and run it, that's fine. I wrote down this uh, quote because one of the beating hearts of this film that resonates so much with my own beating heart and mindset um, kind of culminates in two lines from Elijah that they are spread apart from each other by about an hour. One of them that I wrote down is what he says to, um, I think he is talking to Patricia, but he said, he says it to the horde. Um, everything extraordinary can be explained away. And yet it is true. Um, I found that really, really compelling, uh, in terms of a, a philosophy. Shyamalan has said of this movie specifically, that he was very disheartened with the negative reviews because he said um, that, I mean, it, it can be taken a little bit too far, but Shyamalan's quote was, why won't they let me just be different without throwing me on the garbage pile? <laughs> and, and that's, Ouch. you know, 
you know, and so, well, but I, you know, I kind of sympathize because I think he, no, no, I, I'm um, saying, ouch, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Mr. Glass says something almost exactly similar in the movie. You don't know what it's like to be so different. You don't know where you fit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the reason there's two things that I wanted to highlight for this one is I want to hang a lantern on the fact that I feel as much as I love this movie. I feel it can be accused, and rightfully so, of being dismissive of the atrocities that Kevin and Elijah have committed. They have committed mass murder. Well, not Kevin mass murder, but he's committed atrocious, vicious murders. Uh, Elijah has committed mass murder. And yet both of them somewhat, uh, Elijah more You're so right. than they, they, they come out of this film kind of being Wait. painted in a, a heroic light. Um, yeah. And I think the film could appropriately be accused of dismissing that. And I, I, I think that would be a completely fair critique to which I would not argue um, because I do think they're a little dismissive. I think Shyamalan's a little dismissive of that. And I think part of it is because I think <laughs> I'm not his therapist, but I think he might have some blinders on because I think he relates most to Elijah. Um, I think he has a little bit of an ego in terms of like mastermind. I think that was a little evident with lady in the water. We've already had that discussion. And I think Elijah is, is like represents the mouthpiece of M night Shyamalan. Now that having been said, those critiques and those dings having been said, I was profoundly moved by his narration to the people that he was sharing the video with. I'll recite it real quick here. Um, there are unknown forces that don't want us to realize what we are truly capable of. They don't want us to know the things we suspect are extraordinary about ourselves are real. I believe that if everyone sees what just a few people become when they wholly embrace their gifts, others will awaken. Belief in oneself is contagious. We give each other permission to be superheroes. We will never awaken otherwise. And I loved this line. Whoever these people are who don't want us to know the truth, today they lose. And in ways that I don't have I have neither the time nor the vocabulary to properly articulate that sentiment moved me tremendously. Um, people who would actively want you to not believe I'll use different language than the film use. I hear you know this conversation around potential and this conversation around gifts, and what I would substitute in is loved, cherished, valued, things like that. like I even though it's not the language used in that, I equate a lot of that kind of sentiment of people who don't want you to realize how loved you are, how valued you are, how important and meaningful you are in the world around you. People who actively try to subvert that for their own intentions. They don't want things to get unbridled. They don't want things to get out of hand. Um, and, and I resonate with just that sentiment of whoever those people are, Today, they they lose. Um, Sarah Paulson's and, character says that to Casey at one point. She says the lack of love and affection caused this in Kevin, basically. Mm, wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. And but I isn't she trying to rationalize away what, you know, might be his superpower? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I did write down some of those lines, too. And I, I want to at least highlight and at least for me, leave as lingering thought. Not so much. Because I, I love the poetry of Today They Lose. Like, I love the mm, kind of poetic mm -hmm. nature of that. I I kind of love less the notion of, hey, the others, other people put us down. I love more. And, and what stays with me is belief in oneself is contagious. We give each other permission to be yeah. superheroes. Like, yeah. that, that's, to me, that's very powerful. Like, and confers upon us an active role 
in the edification of other people. Like yeah. that to me mm-hmm. is the the sort of edict I kind of receive from that. Yeah, no, I, I, I can completely receive that. I love, you know, again, don't need to overly hang a lantern or overly magnify it, but you know, it, it's tender to me when he looks at his mother and says, I'm not a mistake, mama. Like I'm not a mistake. And that's, you know, despite the complexities of the character, I'm, I'm moved by that. And I think that's part of what I appreciate. We keep using that word subversive. I think that word is profoundly appropriate. Um, we, we've talked before, and this, this may be my final statement on it. We've talked before about uh, in our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood conversation, like just places to put your imagination or pra- places to put your spirit for a minute so that you can understand something or cope with something or grasp something, glean something, um, just some place to put your spirit for a minute. And I love the notion of being able to put my spirit, silly as it sounds, in learning to be okay that like, hey, sometimes you can be capable of extraordinary things and your weakness just got you. Like in the David Dunn situation, like you, it doesn't make you less extraordinary, but sometimes that thing can just get you. Um, and sometimes you can be capable of, of terrible and heinous things and still not be a mistake. And, and there's something about the language that just revolves around that that uh, just I, I appreciate being able to, to, to put my imagination, to put my spirit there for a minute um, and, and reflect on those things as I'm thinking about my own responsibilities. And I just love in that train station sequence that you have these different relationships honoring and spreading and in the language of the film, letting them in on the universe. She said, this is the moment we're let in on the universe. Um, but the relationships are there's a parent, a child, and a friend that are sitting there. And, you know, Casey's the friend, obviously. And uh, I just, I loved so much these different ways to your language, uh, Nathan, like the ways we can give ourselves permission and, and the care for each other that we can share. And I don't know, I find that very meaningful in this movie beyond the tropes and the, you know, constructs of, superheroism or superpowers as it were i hope that makes sense that's one of my big major walkaways from this film i don't know does that at least is it clear if it's not agreed with <laughs> i'm sorry uh i fell asleep in the middle i figured yes, 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 yes that tends to happen that tends to happen uh, what's really funny is during this viewing i was like i will not fall asleep i will not fall asleep and i think i drifted and then i had to rewind it i was like okay fine <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that metal i had to make sure i didn't miss nothing no. yeah i think that uh, again like i feel like it's Shyamalan speaking through glass mm-hmm. um when he's narrating the end of the film there and i don't think that it is a mistake to say that like unbreakable is the title of the first movie mm-hmm. um kendall wendell kendall oh my goodness <laughs> <Kendall> <laughs> Get the window crumble. <laughs> Come into the light. Get the window crumble. Kevin, um, Kevin, his whole goal as the beast and the horde is to save the broken, and mm. glass is literally glass. <laughs> glass yeah, that yeah. can be very easily broken. Um, I don't like. I I love 
how intentional that is when you tie it in with what Mr. Glass says at the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, and it's, and like what glass is literally is it's, it's fragile and it can also be the way through which we see the world. And Mm -hmm. that is something I think is, yeah, it's, you know, it's a pretty overt metaphor, but yeah, it's, I think it speaks to what Shyamalan's trying to accomplish in this, in this trilogy of films. Um, that again, I'm very appreciative. Yeah, it is an overt metaphor, much like yeah. villain, purple, hero, green. Oh, yes. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Guess oh, absolutely. Represent. Yeah. yeah, that is one thing I will still say, even about films like this that I love so much, is Shyamalan does not want anybody walking out confused. <laughs> I think he's fine with them walking out like not liking it one way or another, or at least I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like that either. But he does not want anybody to be like confused about what it is. Um, <laughs> yes, that is quite true. Quite true. Um, well, before fog meter, I know it's getting late mm. for you guys. You're right. We gotta do we gotta do Shamio. Um, so uh Shamio for this one. I mentioned this, Vera, you haven't heard this episode yet, but I mentioned this last week that the character from Split is the same character that was in the unbreakable stadium uh that m M night is is, yep he is playing the same person and it is further solidified with his cameo in glass wherein he references both films he references cleaned up himself exactly and and you know he's buying a security system because dr fletcher died off site and so everybody's nervous so that's why he's buying a security system but then also uh you know, recognizes David and that he used to hang with some shady characters, but now no. So, um, okay. So we're going to judge our Shamios. We're going to rank these at the end of Shamalamarama, but we're going to judge the Shamio on its scream time and its plot relevance. So, uh, Vera, I will go with you. You can just give one score if you want to from one to five. That's the trickiest thing about Shamios is we only do one to five, uh, five being Longest role, most relevance, one being lowest of those measurements. What would you give his Shamio in Glass? Um, it wasn't a very long role, but it was a very, because of the continuity, I'm going to give it a four. All right. What would you give it, Nathan Rouse? Well, knowing I gave, I think, ones last week, I will take it up <laughs> here with a two this week now that I'm clear on the trajectory of this just this guy in in philadelphia who's just hanging out you know just He's across his life together he has i want <laughs> the i want the like just miniseries just like office style of this guy and you know just like <laughs> seeing his life and occasionally yeah. we'll have a you'll see a news chiron of you know they'll, the, they'll do the man They'll do the documentary on the supers afterwards and interview and be like, I knew him when. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Um, Okay. Two. I am going to tick it up from my one from Split and go with a three. Um, He is one of the main things that ties these three together. So, uh, so yeah, I uh, just kind of love it for that. It is a brief role, but I think uh, a pretty, a pretty cool one. One of his cooler uh, cameos, I think, in, in in the films. Uh, so yeah, I give it a three, and that means we give the overall presence of his role in this, the Shamio, a score of three out of five. So kind of smack in the middle. Um, 
All right. So now the metric that our listeners are most familiar with, the fog meter, uh, fear and God, where we judge films not by their quality, but by their gravity, their heft, what they demand of you as a viewer. Uh, Vera, I'm going to let you go first. You can go ahead for the sake of time and deliver both your fear and your God meter for glass. What would you give it? Um, I don't think it's very scary. There's some gross parts in it. I'm going to go with like a four for fear. Um, for God, like we said, I think it's very overtly there. Mm-hmm. John does not want anyone to be confused. I think that um, even though there are aspects of the movie that ding it down a little bit for me in terms of overall like, I think that the themes that he is trying to bring to the table are very strong. And so I'm going to go with a an eight. Okay. Uh, Nathan, I will let you go last for myself. I, yeah, I agree with you on fear. It's not a very, this is not a very scary film. I'm going to, I'm going to probably land at a three. Um, there's some, you know, there's some suspense and there's some harrowing stuff, but it's not a very scary film. Um, listen, themes. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to go with my heart here. Um, (laughs) I, I, I know this film does not resonate with a bunch of people the way it does with me. Um, and because I don't consider it perfect and there's a couple of things, I'm not going to give it a 10, but I am going to give it a, a pretty unqualified nine for me. It registers very, very strongly for me in what it's trying to say and, uh, moves me in some ways that I greatly appreciate. So yeah, nine for me. For effort. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I get it. Uh, Nathan, what would you give it for fear in God? Mm, yeah, it's a bit more just kind of like thriller than traditional horror um i mean you know that 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 said the repeated usage of the beast's style of kill um between the suplex and then i i didn't say this in our that ain't right but when elijah slices the throat of daryl like whoa i jumped Mm. Um, oh yeah that was a great scene (laughs) i took a picture of it because the captions were funny what does it say you can read that it says Sharp slice, comma Daryl grabs neck. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's you know. great. Yeah, it it's, says and what it's it shocking needs to. too because it's like oh, yeah. it's completely out of nowhere. It's great. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with a three. It, it, it's not that scary. There is some stuff to it that could be off-putting if you're just not into that stuff. Um, I think for God, I, you know, I'm going to go with a seven. Um, because I think. It's clearly, it, it's almost all theme, except for when it's not, but but that is what it's trying to do. And and so while I'm not convinced it's as seamless and perfectly delivered, um, as you read, I can definitely acknowledge it. I know it is sort of his mission statement on, you know, not just this trilogy of films, but kind of heroic storytelling as a concept. Right. And so I can, right. I can totally respect that. So I'm going to go with the seven. Okay. Well, that means that we give Glass a six out of 10 on the fog meter. Um, and uh, pretty, yeah, pretty decent showing for a film like this. And uh, the perhaps more relevant question is would we recommend Glass? Vera, I'm going to go to you first. Do you recommend Glass to people? Yes. Um, because it's, I think it, it's an accessible movie. I think you have to watch the other two, obviously, to make, make, make it make sense. Um, yeah. But for completion of the trilogy and because it's an accessible movie, and because I really do sympathize with the heart of Shyamalan that he's trying to put forth here. I, I just want people to watch it because 
it's a very hard on your sleeve type movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wholeheartedly resonate with that. I actually, I recommend it. Not only do I recommend it, but because of the way it is and because of how, when it was released and what it was, I recommend people see it a second time. If you already loved it, that won't be a hard push because you'll want to re-engage it. But if you were soured on it the first time, I recommend at least a second viewing with a little bit more of a kind of an open-hearted flavor for exactly what you just described, Vera. It's like, I think in a different context, it has the potential to, um, to, to slap a little differently than it did when it was first released. Um, and uh, anyway, that's the, yeah. So I definitely recommend it. I, I I love to talk about this movie with people when they've seen it. Nathan, do you recommend it? Uh, well, it's funny you say what you just said, because what I was going to say is twice. Um, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. You have to watch glass. You have to watch I'm, unbreakable and split. I'm sorry. Is what I meant to say. You have to watch those two. Uh, a first view, like you just have to calibrate. It, it is a different yeah. It is not what you sort of think you're going to end up with, and that ultimately is okay. Uh, but because of that, I think it just it merits kind of a revisit to kind of okay, whatever I thought I was going to get that that I didn't get, whatever I feel about having not gotten it, I now need to <laughs> engage this thing yeah. for what it actually is. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, um, there are very few chamois I would actively not recommend, and this isn't one of them. Uh, it's it's worth checking out. I mean, the performances, other than my misgivings about Paulson, are strong. The aesthetic is strong. Um, rhythm's a little wonky, but, you know, whatever. All right. Yeah. Listen, I cannot tell you both how much I appreciated having this conversation. I know it's late for you both. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um no, this I, I I've loved this. I've loved some of the points that we've made and some of the things we brought up. I, I really feel great having this kind of conversation about this movie, as opposed to the kinds that I've always had before, which is no, no, no. You don't understand. I love this movie, and can I take five minutes of time? No, don't run away. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like just for the fact that um, in don't run away. in <laughs> Kevin's room there are buckets of toothbrushes. Yeah, for all for of all the different personalities, for all of the altars, that level of care yeah. that you yeah, yeah, put yeah. into the movie—that's why people need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, and I mean, God, like I, I still can't quite put my finger on it. I know we're literally about to sign off, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Back to your uh, about the cinematography, like so many of the little moments or the scenes, I freaking love the shot of David Dunn busting open the steel door and then just looking back up at the camera just that image of the the you know disheveled dented door down on the floor and uh-huh. it you know and then him like grabbing his shoulder looking up like just there's so many moments like that that's the moment that came to mind but so many of the frames of this movie I look at and I'm just like man that's just that's just a fantastic shot and and yeah. rich with a lot of meaning and and so yeah that's one of the reasons I love revisiting this film so all right. Well, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate uh, listeners, your time hanging with us. Next week, we're going to be continuing the trail of Shyamalama Rama. We are going to be talking about episodes seven through 10 of season three of Servant and having that's that we'll go into detail on them in the patron segment and then having a kind of a summary season three conversation in the main uh, discussion. But paired up with that, Next week, we are also going to be having another Redux conversation about a film that is much more universally beloved than any of the ones we've been discussing here, and that is Signs. Ladies and gentlemen, next Ooh. week, 
we are going to be revisiting signs as well as a culminating conversation about season three of Servant. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Vera, thank you so much again. Nathan, thank you as always. And listeners, thank you as well. We will see you all next week. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>